peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to the Softly Performance Podcast. Welcome back to our Lunch and Lunch series, guys. We're on Chapter 3, Episode 2. Continuing on and talking a little bit about actually how this is relevant to the tactical community in general now. If you didn't listen to episode one, please head back over there and listen to to that show. We talked a little bit about different examples of why having a strong heart can go ahead and benefit you and then also showing an example of not having a strong heart and how can it put you at risk and, and put you in from an ethical perspective as well as understanding the variable of resting heart rate and the recoverability of of that heart and what it does for you between specific different types of bouts and training sessions, durations of training blocks, as well as overall lifestyle. And then lastly, we got into a little bit of like the the hammer home of like, why is this the base of the pyramid? Because it's very important. Again, like we said last show, we, we would hear a lot of individuals probably say it needs to be different. But from our experiences and what we've seen, the heart is the main driver to everything. The mind is only the observer. <laughs> so, so leading into episode two of chapter three, you know, one thing that I really do enjoy about having these shows is that we're able to bring a lot of scientific um, research papers into this and kind of marry things up to kind of have some really hard facts to and truths to allow for us to continue moving forward and stand on top of whatever theories it is that we've worked off of. And one of those is, is actually seeing the aerobic capacity generally drops during a deployed individual across the board. And and that kind of like, you know, that kind of hits home to me because, you know, in 2010, because that's the paper that you're going to be talking a little about here, Matt, in a minute. Yeah, that's it. In 2010, you know, if they would have done a study on my platoon, our unit, our company, our other platoons, they would have found that we were patrolling at nighttime from anywhere between four to seven to eight hours yeah. at night. Yeah. I mean, patrolling, just walking. So you can't mm. tell me that my aerobic capacity decreased during that time period, especially now understanding and knowing what I know now. I was under a load for six to seven hours, day pack or a ruck, patrolling full kit on, helmet and everything else. You can't tell me that my heart wasn't at some specific level that increased my aerobic capacity. So now I understand that that, that might be for me, but I would really like to dive into talk a little bit about what it is that you saw from these deployed individuals who saw a decrease in aerobic capacity. Yeah, so we'll, we'll I'll chuck the I'll chuck a link to the the paper in the in the show notes for this. And it like like George was saying, it's fairly old now, two thousand and ten. So you kind of have to like um, yeah, you have to sort of bear that in, in perspective. Um, but essentially, what they what the what the researchers did is they followed seventy three uh, combat armed soldiers through like a thirteen month deployment, I believe, in Iraq. Um, and then they kind of, they, they tested a few measures sort of pre and post and, and things like that. But one of the things that, that kind of stuck out to, to me and to us when we were talking about this was that, um, one of the biggest things that, that changed was, was aerobic performance. So their kind of their performance on like a, like a fit, I think it was a two mile run, like their fitness test, it dropped quite significantly, uh, between pre and, and post. Um, now obviously we, don't know exactly what these guys are doing on like a, a day-to-day basis kind of like what what george was saying but the fact that 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 aerobic capacity decreased is a bit of a warning 
kind of there's there's like alarm bells ringing for us as as, as people who are now in the profession of, of keeping these guys healthy because we know that aerobic fitness has got some some really strong links with a lot with a lot of things that are very kind of important within the, the tactical community so you've got things like um like even things like musculoskeletal injury so the risk of of, of rolling an ankle or, or, or picking up an injury is massively spiked when we see aerobic fitness drop down um so obviously that's kind of a like an issue in itself you've also got things like like we've talked about in the last episode just kind of metrics of general health so if if like your aerobic capacity is dropping like george has been talking about that's probably a good sign that heart health is is declining so by extension then you can kind of think that that probably certain risk factors for like chronic diseases are starting to come up um we know that that cognitive performance so your ability to sort of make decisions um and, and like problem solve things like that start to get blunted uh and and they're kind of real concerns with um with a population that that literally lives and dies on on making the right decision at the right time now there's a couple of kind of caveats to this so we know that um this was 13 months it was iraq so it was going to be hot by and large so one of the think one of the kind of the theories behind why we see this is is probably the urge when it's really really hot out to go and do cardio, which is going to make you really, really hot and sweaty, probably isn't there. And also the workload, like like George was saying, if you're patrolling for hours and hours every night, you're probably not going to want to get up the next morning and, and go run like a 5K or something. So we we kind of we almost know or we almost know going in that this is a risk that, that kind of coming off the back of a deployment this this could happen so what we have to think about is and, and this is where kind of the, the programming stuff links back in is how do we we prep these guys how do we give these guys enough of an aerobic buffer how do we improve their heart health enough when they go out the door that we're still kind of um that aerobic capacity is still elevated or heart health is still elevated enough where they're not at these at these kind of increased increased risks it's it's really cool that you do bring that up because I want to go back to saying, hey, you know, when I was on my deployment, I was doing X, Y, and Z, patrolling for hours with a rock on my back, full kit, doing all those things. Also, I have to go ahead and take take all this into context too. I wasn't sleeping the right way. I wasn't eating the right way. I was tobacco smoking. I was, you know, taking in, you know, pharmaceutical drugs to go ahead and keep me awake throughout different patrols. So now I can see, you know, coming from that context, yeah, of course, my aerobic capacity or my heart health is going to decline due to the fact of the high stress that it's going to be in over and over and over again. So the way I like to kind of look at that, and we can kind of create this parallel or these cups across the board for everyone to understand is, you know, let's go ahead and take two athletes. You have athlete B and athlete A. They know they both have the same seven-month deployment coming up. They know that they're going to be have to be moving again, moving with a rock on their back, patrolling through, you know, the, the farmlands of Afghanistan. They're going to be we're living out of a ruck. They're going to be eating off the land. They're going to be eating MREs. They're probably not going to be sleeping much. They're going to be taking pharmaceutical drugs to go ahead and operate and do what they have to do. The list can go on. How do we train the athlete to go ahead and handle all of those things that they're potentially going to be doing anyways and still come out on the back end healthy? Because when you go to look at those kinds of things, you know, the military, they have us do a health assessment pre and post deployment, but do they really do a legit health assessment? You know, why are we not doing some kind of physical health assessment from, you know, like you said, hey, let's go check what your heart health is, meaning let's go do a step test for 10 minutes and let's see how long it takes for you to get your heart rate back below a certain number before you deploy. And now when you get back in this deployment, let's go ahead and see how long it takes you to recover after doing that same exact 10 minute step test. 
right? Mm-hmm. That right there gives us an indication of how well they recovered and how well they took to that deployment. Because now let's say both athletes, athlete A and athlete B, both did the step test. And, you know, athlete A focused on a balanced training program of strength and endurance, concurrent training to get them ready for the deployment. The other athlete focused on pure strength work because he believed that carrying a rookie has to be as strong as possible and he, that he's going to build his aerobic system on deployment. Well, now we go ahead and go into the step test and I do 10 minutes. T- t- athlete A does 10 minutes. Athlete B does 10 minutes. Athlete A took two and a half minutes to get down below a heart rate of 120. The other athlete took four minutes to get below 120 and his heart rate throughout the whole time was at a 165. Athlete A average heart rate was at a 150 the whole time. So right there gives you indication of how well each individual not only handles and manages stress, but how well do they recover from stress. And that's a clear indication into what the heart is doing and how strong it is. And that's where we have to go ahead and take, how is this relevant to the tactical community? And we can go ahead and use a firefighter the same way, right? Like they might not be in all those extremes, but them always having these micro stress ex- hits and then unknown, the same thing with an LEO officer is coming up on onto a, a traffic stop or reporting to a call. The same thing with a, a, a first responder who works on, the, on, a, on an ambulance. These micro stressors over time only accumulate to where it causes other problems. So if we have a really strong heart and we have the ability to handle stress or recover from that stress quickly and efficiently, we then over time decrease that accumulation of stress that we're seeing so that we can go ahead and keep operating at this potential and this performance as we need to compared to now going back to the the, the two to two athletes where athlete B max heart or average heart rate was a 165 and it took him four minutes to recover dip back down below a 120 it took athlete A two and a half minutes now when we go and do do a patrol together I know that athlete A will recover from that patrol and that gunfight a lot quicker than athlete B and what does that do to the team and just gives us the insight to actually knowing who's a who's an asset and who can potentially be a liability over time yeah yeah, and, and actually kind of go back to your point about the kind of comparison across the community. So so the the military you could almost you could almost argue for for most people, I appreciate this is an oversimplification, but for most people, a tour like a, a deployment is gonna be like 12, 18 months would be a long deployment. Seven months, seven months. Even, even here. Yeah, yeah. So generally in the UK we roll on six months. Um but but kind of what I was what I was getting at is that's that's six months where you perhaps can't do what you want. You're like your your kind of daily your daily tempo is kind of dictated to you a little bit more. So like we said, you you perhaps don't have the time or the inclination to do extra training. But then as soon as you come back to your your home unit, because the culture is is to kind of prioritize like this it's debatable whether we're prioritizing heart health or not. We can kind of chat about that in a second. But the, the culture is to kind of allow time for, for physical training and physical prep. However, in, in kind of like the, the law enforcement and, and fire and, and kind of the rescue services, there's not like those kind of periods of high activity and periods of off unless you're physically shifted to like a desk job. You're, you're going to be on, in quotations, until you're either promoted to a point where you're like manning a desk and, and not going out on those shouts or until you, you like you, you're moved or, or whatever. So the the risk of the kind of the cumulative effect of of aerobic capacity or heart health dropping i think is probably much much higher in these and and again we we kind of talked about this idea of of like career longevity and we know that 
so again, I can kind of speak more from from at home in the UK, in the in the military and and, and across the tactical community, the, the kind of average age is slowly creeping up as we're we're trying to like like numbers are dwindling, so we're, we're keeping people like a little bit longer. Um, and, and obviously that's a really good thing because you have the benefit of experience um, and, and kind of like we've talked about in, in, in other episodes, you want to have those people that have done the job like day after day after day, because they're, they're going to be like great to, to kind of pass on the wisdom to the, the guys coming through. But the issue is that just like when we look at the, the civilian world, we know that like chronic disease risk and things like that creeps up as you, as you get older. So what we have to what we have to kind of really make a a kind of a conscious decision of i think is is to view right across that spectrum like we talked about in episode one so we're addressing the the human first at the base of the pyramid like the general heart health because it reduces the risk of atherosclerosis it reduces the risk of diabetes all those kind of things right the way through to the other end of the the, like the performance uh, end of the spectrum where we, we're saying that by having kind of like george talked about in the last episode if you've got an increased heart health then theoretically your your kind of your cognitive functioning is going to be higher or your your buffer before cognitive functioning starts to decline is going to be higher so that looks like kind of making the right decision in quotation making the right decision or making the most appropriate decision in things like traffic stops when you you've you've got very little information there's like high risk there's lots of uncertainty it, it's things like like that that we kind of can potentially lean on this pillar of heart health a, a little bit more, I think. I want to go down that real quick too, because we've talked about it in the past in other shows. But when we go and talk about peripheral attention narrowing, the heart drives the left and right lateral limits of that narrowing. And what does peripheral attention narrowing mean? Pretty much it's the ability to go ahead and see through your peripherals as your elevated stress or as you increase, in, increase heart rate and you experience more stress. But as you get more exposed to specific stressors, that peripheral narrowing doesn't get so close together, it now starts to open up a little bit wider. So by having a strong heart and having the ability to go ahead and manage your heart in general in specific stressful situations, you've now, from a cognitive standpoint, you've now opened your your peripherals to a wider base at a higher elevated stressor to allow for you to go ahead and do what you need to do in terms of reactions and responses in that situation. Now, if your heart health, if you're, you know, we'll go and go back to the athlete A and athlete B. If you're athlete B in specific situations, if you haven't been exposed to it before, that peripheral narrowing is going to go really close and you're only going to be able to see and pinpoint specific things compared to athlete A who has a really strong heart, who can handle stress really well and can recover from previous experiences or situations to where they still have this wide range of peripheral narrowing to be, to be aware and, and, and avoid injury risk. So when we go back to the idea of, you know, is it not just heart health? It's the idea of, honestly, stress. How well does your body handle and buffer stress? And how well does your your body and your mind recover from that specific stress to allow for you to get back down to a baseline to allow for you to continue moving forward? And we understand, and I understand from legit experience, that that baseline is going to be elevated slightly. But if I can go ahead and, very, and, and have that elevated baseline not be so dramatic compared to, you know, athlete B who has who has a dramatic baseline increase due to their due to the new environment and stimulus well what does that do to us over time period athlete B might will burn out a little bit faster than I will and the goal here is to avoid burnout I'll tell you what going to war and fighting isn't over and done with yet 
It, it, it just repeats itself. So why are we talking about these things now is because I truly believe that we need to go ahead and, and, and put in, you know, ways to go ahead and improve heart health to manage and buffer stress when they get put into experiences as such, no matter who you are from a military individual to a firefighter, EMT, LEO, across the board in any kind of tactical profession. You need to go ahead and have a strong heart to handle the rigors of your job. And at the end of the day, your heart isn't connected to your profession. It's connected to the human being. And this is the reason why we go back to the whole idea of, again, it's a human first, profession second. So moving on to this last part of this, of this, of this chapter, of this episode, let's not get heart health confused with just doing endurance training. Because we also know too much endurance training will go ahead and make you a liability. So it's finding a happy balance between the two. So Matt, do you want to? Can you please dive down a little bit of, of not confusing the two and kind of looking at it from that perspective, please? Yeah. So so just kind of recognizing that that your your the health of your heart, if you like, is goes a little bit deeper than than just your heart rate. Uh, than just using heart rate as a as a metric. So we we know like classically in in this community we, we rely quite heavily on endurance training. Um, we know it's it's kind of cheap. It's logistically really easy. It's it's something that we've we've kind of um, yeah we, we've pushed for a long time, and that's obviously got some some real benefits. But I'm sure I'm sure you can kind of if you if you think back to your uh, your military days, George, you can picture someone who used to absolutely crush a mile and a half or a ten miler, but probably wasn't the most healthy individual. Yeah. So that that's kind of going going back to to us, like we've been banging on about this this whole the whole way through this lunch and learn series is that all these all these separate chapters, all these separate pillars, are so intertwined that that we can't afford to kind of become blinkered or peripheral narrowed, if you like, where we we only think of heart health as as how much fizz, how much training you're getting in the week. We've also got to think about like, what does that look like from a nutrition perspective? Like what do we need to address nutritionally to, to kind of, to keep that, that cardiovascular system healthy. Um, and, and again, that's going to be something we'll get into on another episode, things like sleep. So, so George kind of mentioned that from, from firsthand experience, we know that, that being chronically sleep deprived massively increases your risk of heart rate of, of heart attack and, heart and kind of, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and, and same thing with, with kind of chronic stress, be that work related or kind of other so financial and, and things like that. Um, so, so it's this idea of, of just kind of, again, making sure that we're, we're looking at across the spectrum of, of the pillars that make up this, this system rather than just kind of addressing it as a, uh, as a, as a kind of a, a twice weekly thrash in the gym being, okay, that box is ticked. Correct. And I, I think that's the whole point of that was, and I talked about this on a podcast we we put out. We're going to be putting out later on. It's a two part, and it's called training the heart rate or training the heart. I'm sorry, not training the heart rate, but training the heart. And it it goes back to that prime example of you know doing a 20 minute metcon inside the gym with an elevated heart rate, or doing a 30, 40, 50, 60 minute heart a workout at an elevated heart rate. Does that become endurance over time? No, because again, you're not understanding the fact of what heart rate is and what it does for us and what and why we are training it. Again, it's not just to increase our endurance capacity and our performance. No, at the end of the day, at the most foundational level, we're there to understand how to buffer and get rid of stress and to recover from that stress to continue handling more stress at the end of the day. Just as when we look at the aerobic base, the aerobic base is to handle higher outputs of, of higher intensity efforts. 
Well, guess what? By we, as well as increasing the heart and, and strengthening the heart, we now then can buffer stress, get rid of it, recover from it, and then handle more of it at the end of the day. So guys, I had a blast with this episode. Again, we're not trying to get too technical with these things. We really just want to kind of really create some parallels and some same color cups across the board. Again, I, I know we've talked about some previous episodes and chapters so far in this in this series of Lunch and Learn. You know, start being aware of these things. Start kind of looking at these things. I know we haven't talked yet about the practical application, which will be coming here shortly in the next episode. But, you know, start kind of looking at your resting heart rate. Look at kind of how you recover between sets. You know, and a prime example I can give you is, you know, go into a training session and, you know, you notice that your max heart rate, your highest elevator heart rate was a, a 165 for the day, you know, after that session. Well, then let's go and see how long it took you to get down below a 120 or a 110 for, and, and mark that down and start tracking that every day for a session. And it gives you an insight of like how well, how, how hard that session was and how hard your, your heart took to that session. It, it, it's, it's the easiest way to do that. So again, guys, looking forward to the next episode. Talk to you soon.